Welcome everyone to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you are Avengers Endgame Theories. Uh, so much to unpack in this one film and in the episode on the film itself. We tried to keep it as much to the action in three hours and two minutes as we could. And now we're going to talk about all the ramifications, implications, other words that end in shuns throughout this episode. Pete, let's start with an update for the total worldwide box office, domestic U.S. box office, etc. We are recording this on May 8th. The numbers as of May 7th, $644,500,000 in these United States added to everywhere else. Uh, 1628000 to bring a, a whopping total of $2.272 billion dollars. Uh, in the last week, surpassing the greatest color movie of all time, Titanic, as the uh, the number two uh, worldwide all-time box office uh, bonanza not adjusted for inflation. So it is just Avatar and Avengers Endgame at this point from a worldwide box office standpoint. Uh, they're closing in on uh, The Force Awakens. So where are we domestically, Matt? Uh, the dom- You mean in terms of like domestic all time? Yes. Pete, looking just at the United States picture here right now, Avengers Endgame is in seventh place. Uh, it's about uh, $6 million away from Jurassic World. That, <laughs> As we record this, that may have already been surpassed. I believe yesterday's box office as midweek was in the $10 million range. Um, should surpass Titanic in the U.S. Uh, it, it may have done that already as well. Uh, and then uh, Infinity War at 678 total, Black Panther at 700 million, Avatar at 760, and The Force Awakens at nine, uh, $936 million. So I, I've seen it said many, many times on Box Office Mojo, on Hollywood Reporter, on Deadline, that this is uncharted territory. Now you might say, well, yeah, but there's other movies by it. The pace at which this is making money is uncharted. So when you see somebody online go, yeah. yup, it's good to surpass Avatar. I will grant you to be only $600 million away, unlike any other movie, that is stupendous. There's literally no mathematical precedent for what's this DK going to be. And what, Pete, what's the next big movie to come out? I don't know. Maybe Lion King? Uh, and I don't know that that's well, necessarily... Well, don't sleep on Detective Pikachu, Matt, which is being called by critics the greatest video game movie of all time. Now, granted, Matt, what what is a universally acknowledged great video game, perhaps greatest video game movie of all time? Uh, well, Pete, it's either Super Mario Brothers or Street Fighter, right? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Uh, that that would be at the bottom of the barrel, although watchable both for their very own reasons. But, uh, you know, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider 2 are universally acknowledged as amongst the, the better, if not the best. And then you go back to the original Mortal Kombat movie. So the bar is admittedly low, but there is super high praise and they continue to adjust 
expectations up on Ryan Reynolds' Detective Pikachu movie that comes out this Friday. I've seen plenty of predictions that it knocks Avengers Endgame out of the top spot. So again, as you mentioned, that decay with Avengers Endgame being a little less than $300 million from Force Awakens as the top domestic spot, $600 million, so double that all-time elsewhere. It's going to be interesting to see if they hit that when you consider the Black Panther did $700 million. Okay, Infinity War uh, was beneath this. Um, geez, where am I? I'm not even. I'm sorry. Was uh, above it. They have not yet surpassed Infinity War, although they likely will this weekend. Um, so yeah, I, uncharted waters indeed. I know the percentage decay from week one to week two uh, for Endgame was a little bit greater than um, than The Force Awakens. I believe that. I believe I'm correct in saying that. I think too. I mean, again, this is largely without context. I'll just share as an anecdote, Pete. I tried to, I tried as best as I could to get Endgame tickets to take my wife and daughter to go see last weekend. Now, we were slightly constrained by some other things on the schedule, but I could not find a show between 11 a.m., starting 11 a.m. and uh, starting about 3, ah, 2 p.m., I could not find a show at multiple theaters where there were seats that weren't in the front row and ridiculously close. Right. So does that speak to, fine, there was a decent drop from week one to week two, but is this thing going to have a huge tail? You know, we'll see. I really don't know. I kind of feel like it won't have as big a tail as, say, your Titanics and your ETs that go week 10, week 20, week 30, things like that. But who knows? Literally, literally no one knows. So, again, when you see on social media, oh, yeah, for sure, Avatar is done. James Cameron is, is, is having a heart attack because he's so upset about it. No one knows. There's no mathematical context for this. There isn't. And I know plenty of people who have seen it multiple times. I think three hours for the uh, fan that needed to go see it, but doesn't need to go see it again and again. And remember, you know, we're on digital in in 100 days in our current day. So, you know, things come up, whatever. I've seen it twice. You've seen it once. Um you know, whether or not they get there, I, I think their their legacy is secure regardless, Matt, given how quickly. Um, and I think it tempers expectations going forward for other films, you know, to get that level of team up, something we may never see again, something we might see on a smaller level uh, moving forward. And now that the spoiler ban is lifted and the Russos have said we can talk about Fat Thor and Dead Tony and all these other things uh, and the, the Spider-Man Far From Home revealed to have been uh, in the timeline moving forward in 2023. Really interesting as, again, we add up all these implications. Well, let's hit the mailbag for Endgame. We had some responses to our podcast. And first comes from our longtime pal, Ian Knight in the UK. Got to visit his website, zort.co.uk. And Ian says this. Hi, just listening to the Endgame podcast and got to the point where the time travel rules and Mjolnir are discussed. 
That was my biggest minor annoyance about the film, as it left me with too many unanswered questions. Then prompted by some review posts and other line discussions, I came up with my own theory that makes everything fall into place for me, even if it's not something that will ever be addressed on screen. The main problem was that the Infinity Stones had to be returned to their place in time, but people and things like Mjolnir did not. For instance, Thanos comes from the past to the future and is snapped out of existence, thus never creating his original snap, classic time travel paradox territory. We were told that the parallel universe theory wasn't an option, so there is no resolution there. The only thing left for me is that the time travel to the past originating in the future is fine, nothing will happen to the people going in that direction. So here's the big theory. If the time travel is initiated from the future, but takes people slash things from the past, then a quantum duplicate, yes, I'm claiming copyright, is created <laughs> leaving the original to continue in the original timeline. The exception being the Infinity Stones because of their universe-defying nature, of course, which is why the Ancient One was so concerned about it. The theory does give us two things to consider. The first is time travel without consequences to the past. Maybe a good thing. I'm not sure. The second is a whole new can of worms that means anyone can be brought back from the dead, or at least their quantum duplicate can be. Could Bruce figure this out and bring Black Widow back? Anyway, I'm going to listen to the rest of the podcast now, and I might even go back and watch all these movies again with the accompanying <laughs> podcasts. Thanks for being there at the end of each movie for your excellent analysis. Pete, that's from our pal Ian. Thank you, Ian, a, a longtime listener and, uh, you know, somebody we've we've got to beat in person one of these days, Matt. Um, yeah, so many people, so many, uh, you know, eagle eyed, uh, thoughtful viewers have pointed out the different things that, you know, make it inconsistent or uh, bring up other issues. Remember, this is a movie. Uh, I don't think these films have have been known for their hardcore science. It's not as if we're speaking Star Trek and even there that is writer's room science, which, you know, they 90 percent of the time try to use what's there. And then remember, they're telling a story. They're they're using metaphor. Um, the thing I've seen pointed to again and again is and, and largely ignored. The Avengers have a time machine now. Um, so in theory, they can go fix all of this. The other thing I read from the Russos regarding Hulk is that, you know, much like happened with Thanos a, who was hence decapitated, um, uh, Bruce's arm, professor Hulk's arm is irreparably damaged, uh, as a result of his snap that it cannot be fixed. So they said that narratively, either a fix is found or he continues on that way. But again, the Avengers have a time machine. Now, are they going to go back and bring Robert Downey Jr. in for another $75 million jaunt, Matt? Something you brought to my attention as far as his point participation in this film alone? Probably not. Uh, they're moving forward. They're kind of downsizing in the idea that, you know, they're not looking at least on the announced slate at the super duper, you know, Infinity War Endgame style team up. The latest understanding is that they're more in favor of the mini team up, you know, as Guardians of the Galaxy, so on and so forth. But again, the Avengers have a time machine. 
I know too that we had gotten some tweets in response to uh, to our original podcast, noting that uh, Cap takes Mjolnir with him, at, you know, at the end of the film to return the stones. So what we had pointed out regarding some Mjolnir continuity may have been addressed there in terms of him returning it to the point of exit. How about the awkward reunion when he goes to return the Soul Stone? Yeah. Yeah, I continue to contend, Pete, that there is a longer version of the movie. There's a there's a director's cut, which is viable. That was not viable for theaters because three hours is probably pushing it. Not, you know, again, for all the success, theoretically, it was pushing it in terms of number of shows per day, number of screens out there. Although I will mention as a side note, I did see on YouTube that some stat like. 25 years ago, and I could be wrong on the years here, but you get the general idea. 25 years ago, there were uh, 2,000 screens in the United States. Now there's 4,800, so there's right. a lot more ability to be like, oh, we have a contract with uh, that Seth Rogen movie that came out you know, this past weekend. We will live up by the contract with your four shows a day. Meanwhile, we have enough screens to bump whatever the movie that came out uh, a month ago that people barely remember that gets its one show a day and then we pack avengers in there non-stop yeah like when i wanted to go see us over spring vacation and it wasn't playing anywhere that wasn't 11 p.m at night so again there's to get back on this notion of a longer cut i part of me wonders if they're not saving that again i think or well, if they're not saving it, say, for a Disney Plus or home video, I think that amongst we fans who are really interested in Disney Plus, I think it's fast becoming this kind of this kind of fictional. It's like it'll be the best thing ever, the best thing that we ever dreamed of. Um, <laughs> and and into that, we say, oh, man, Pete, I'm not really a huge Lady and the Tramp fan, although I did see the original the first time when I was like eight. And I know I cried when the one dog got taken to its final walk, if you know what I mean. So this new live-action remake that is going to hit November 12th, that's going to reduce me to a blubbering child version of myself, right? Because I can go home again, and it's going to it's going to make me young again. Like, I think there's a certain point where it's probably not all these things. But my goodness, Pete, if you find out, hey, coming December 15th, Avengers Endgame, the three-hour and 50-minute version, will you be ready to... I don't know, to hoot and holler and say this is the best thing ever. I mean, I want to see it, and I'm on record saying I'm going to plunk down my sixty nine ninety nine for that year subscription, the first chance I get on Disney+. Plus. Throw me a bonus, throw me something else to, to further entice me, but you've already got it. Um, and again, you know, now revealed that we will be podcasting The Mandalorian, the live-action Star Wars show coming to... Disney Plus. But one other thing, Matt, you know, we often talk about the casting and and stuff that, you know, announced months and months and months, uh, if not years before the film comes out. And then sometimes things change during production. Catherine Langford was cast for Avengers Endgame, but she did not make the final cut. And it has since been revealed she was playing an older version of Morgan Stark. And they actually cut a piece together where when um, Tony 
uh, sacrifices himself. He has a vision, much like Thanos did with young Gamora, where he sees older Morgan and they have uh, a scene before he passes away. So that's out there in addition to some other things that seem to have hit the cutting room floor. So bring on November, bring on the potential for a longer cut if they make the choice to not do that digitally. Pete, next email is from Will Quinones, who says as follows. Since you are planning an in-depth level seven discussion of Endgame soon, Pete, this is it. Perfect timing. <laughs> uh, and now I've had time to consume all sorts of writer and director interviews about plot holes and story decisions. I wanted to get my thoughts in writing to you. So Pete, he's given us the ability here to paraphrase his words. Uh, I don't think we have to paraphrase much. This is a good email. He says, Cap's ending. I get how time travel works in the MCU based on the rules so eloquently laid out by Professor Hulk and the Ancient One. He returned the stones and Thor's hammer so the past does not branch out into alternate timelines. And I can accept that he lived his life in the past with Peggy in an alternate timeline he created. What still baffles me a bit is how he got back to the main universe to sit on the bench without returning via the quantum pod he used to go back in time. I first thought he simply lived his life and caught up with them in real time. But if he lived in an alternate timeline with Peggy, he would have to return to the main timeline via the pod. So how did he just appear on that bench? Maybe that will be explored at some future point. Maybe in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. Also, Bucky knew he wasn't coming back in five seconds. He said he was going to miss him before Cap left. He almost knew that he would be on that bench and even urged Sam to go talk to him. Cap had to let him know about his plan. Based on the alternate timeline scenario, he couldn't have met him in the past to reveal his plan. Again, maybe something will be addressed in the show. Would like to see the show address Sam coming to terms with being Captain America and accepting that role. And where did Cap get that shield he gave to Sam? The five-year jump. To this point, the MCU has been relatively present day with the movies. Lone exceptions being Captain Marvel and most of the first Avenger and some random flashbacks in other movies. Pete, I'll add to that list. Guardians 2. Now that the MCU is in 2023 and Marvel hasn't really put out the next slate of movies with approximate dates, it will be interesting, interesting to see how slash if they close this gap. I doubt they will simply wait five years to start phase four. Just an odd thing I've been thinking about since I heard the audio Easter egg after the credits. Tony's ending. I didn't really notice until the second viewing that Doctor Strange looked at Tony and put up a finger to indicate that we were in the one scenario that worked nudging him to make that move to swipe the stones from Thanos. Then reading that his line before snapping was originally not in the film was crazy. Hard to believe they didn't have a line for him originally. And choosing, and I am Iron Man, was just perfect. Mm -hmm. Quick aside, Iron Man is my son, eight years old, uh, favorite, and he was devastated when Tony died. It took, uh, a couple, <laughs> took a couple hours for him to get over it. I don't mean to laugh, I just, that, that's no, the emotion. No, that's, that's precious, and... That's kind of what it's about. Building a memorial to Iron Man in Minecraft is how he chose to get past it. And we were all racking our brains trying to figure out uh, who that kid standing in front of Maria Hill was at Tony's funeral. Thank goodness for the internet. I will echo that, Pete. And in fact, I went back and looked at the, the Marvel class photo and I, I can see I him now. I told you in the theater. <laughs> no, but I'm sorry. But while watching the movie, I didn't know who it was. Then you told me. It was like, oh okay, I guess that makes story sense. And then going back and seeing that Marvel class photo, he's in there too, which I think yeah. probably at the time it was like, who's this guy? I, I don't know. There's 20 people who's like, 
casting director and you know the producer and of you know who's not kevin feige and things like that uh anyhow back to will's words young avengers speaking of that kid from iron man 3 whose name i cannot remember and an older what's that pete harley there you go uh and an older cassie the potential for morgan to follow in her father's footsteps i'm not sure i really buy into the theory marvel is setting up young avengers down the road but who knows Internet complainers. I just have to vent about this, mostly because I'm tired of people being offended by every little thing these days. I saw there was an article claiming Thor was fat-shamed. Really? Ridiculous. I won't give that any more discussion. The forced female Avengers moment during the final battle? People complained that it felt forced and not organic. I know that a bunch of us cheered in my two viewings when it happened. When else can they do something like that outside a movie when they are all there together? Then they complained that Captain Marvel and Okoye didn't have enough screen time, and Cap and Tony get more than anyone. It is the completion of their arcs. Captain Marvel and Okoye have other movies coming. They will get their moments. This was about Cap and Tony. It, uh, it's forced when we give them their moment, yet they don't have enough attention in the movie, which is trying to wrap up an 11-year-old building, by the way. Pick an argument. You can't have it both ways. But I guess people need to complain about something. Nebula and Black Widow get plenty of screen time and both played a major role in the plot. Can we cheer for that, maybe? The only complaint I give credence to is the absence of a better send-off or funeral for Black Widow. It likely happened off-screen, but they could have done something a bit more for the first female hero in the MCU. Thanos bringing his army to the future. I've seen this as a plot hole also, and I love how the Russos addressed it. Thanos is a pretty smart guy himself, and he has Maw as well. I'm sure they were able to reverse engineer the Pym Particle and time travel GPS that passed Nebula Stole. Plus, they had more than 20 minutes of screen time to figure it out. They were in 2014 and had time. Hail Hydra. The way Cap avoided another elevator fight with Strike Team and Sitwell by whispering Hail Hydra. Awesome. That and him using Thor's hammer were my favorites. FYI, I'm at Hydra underscore lives on Twitter, and that image from the comic is my avatar. Special moment for me that uh, I'm guessing most of the theater didn't get, but that's okay. Uh, Pete, I'll pause his words for a moment to say, I think most people who have been to these movies in the movies, as opposed to, you know, binging it on home video or whatever, I think most people got the Hail Hydra reference there. Yes, but the deeper comic, more recent situation where Cap said Hail Hydra and there's this whole rabbit hole now, given that he's gone into the past. Uh, remember, Peggy married. Peggy had children. So if that had happened and then Cap goes back in the past, Cap has said to uh, these uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. members, albeit Hydra ones, Hail Hydra, you know, there's this whole rabbit hole that he's he's hydra now that he's bought into this that he's you know one of the things that's been pointed out is how iron man becomes gradually more selfless and how cap becomes gradually more selfish that's really interesting and i will admit i had not stopped to consider that cap went back to 46 47 somewhere in there Mm-hmm. They and, took out old man Carter, and <laughs> I mean, I, I doubt it's actually that way, but it's fun. You know, this is what we talk about in terms of this kind of stuff. You know, they have, in addition to the live action shows coming to Disney Plus, they're going to do these um, what if mini 
cartoon types things. And the one they've they've spoken about already is, well, what if Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum instead of Cap? So interesting. And another way to hopefully keep Haley Atwell around, if if not to renew Agent Carter, Matt, or to reboot it or to bring it back or to do something. Pete, I think Haley Atwell needs to be prepared for the possibility that she will never be playing uh, uh, Agent Carter the last time. There's always going to be the next thing. Now, I mean, look, clearly they're going to get her for the animated thing, right? If they can get her to play Cinderella's mom as a thanks for being a good, you know, Disney friend, clearly they're going to get her for this. Whatever the price is going to be, they're going to work that out for a day's worth of work in the booth. But anyhow, Pete, let's hear some more other nuggets from Will. When Black Widow has the conference call with Nebula, Rocket, Okoye, Captain Marvel and Rhodey, there was a little moment between Captain Marvel and Rhodey where she looks at him and says good luck. It felt like there was a bit more to that moment. Maybe a little callback to the comics and their relationship. Interesting to see if something develops there. Speaking of Captain Marvel, there was a faint uh, voice in the moment Thor walked up to her and summoned Stormbreaker uh, that said, I have telepathy. It was uh, first pointed out online when the trailer dropped, and assumed, and I assumed it was a Russo misdirect. But on the second viewing, I heard it, and it didn't really seem to come up again. And other, uh, another interesting nugget. Can't wait for the Loki series to see his adventures with the Tesseract. As Guardians of the Galaxy should be a lot of fun in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 also. Nebula didn't start the movie with orange plates on her face and head. They were added after the conference call with Black Widow. Likely just done as a plot device for her to switch later, but just an interest, uh, just interesting to note. The Ancient One said to Hulk, or did I, when he asked if Doctor Strange made a mistake in giving the stones to Thanos. What did she mean? Maybe we find out in Doctor Strange 2. Two billion dollars by the second weekend is amazing. I don't see anything stopping it from hitting three billion dollars before its run is over. I want it to pass Avatar, the most overrated movie ever, really badly. <laughs> I, I will say this, Pete. I know there's... There's a lot of people, I don't want to say hating on Avatar. Here's the thing with Avatar. Greatest 3D movie ever. And don't forget that that's reflected in the box office. That you were were nuts if you saw that movie in 2D. And it is still the, it is the second greatest 3D experience I've ever had. The only thing to surpass it is the Avatar ride at Disney World, which is the most immersive entertainment experience i've ever had and i literally laughed non-stop for the first half of it because it was pure joy but again it's kind of almost apples and oranges like if you know endgame could sell i'll just pick a number off the top of my head endgame could sell 30 percent more tickets than avatar and still end up 100 million behind it because every single person paid again making up some numbers here 15 dollars a ticket to go see avatar versus you know, $9 to see a regular movie. So anyhow, Pete, Will concludes by saying, that's all I got. If I think more, I'll tweet you. Thanks for reading. And hail Hydra, Pete. <laughs> Pete, that from Will, a.k.a. Hydra underscore lives on Twitter. Hail Hydra. Uh, on the um, the Morgan Stark stuff, um, so I have uh, two TV pilots on a service called The Blacklist, which started just for film. Uh, but then uh, now allows TV projects to be put up there. It was started to get the best unproduced scripts notoriety in Hollywood and has had movies like The Revenant and Slumdog Millionaire came through there and won Best Picture. Um, There has been, for the last year, 
on that service an Ironheart script. Um, that does not mean that it is associated directly with Disney, although I can't imagine a Marvel property that they have would allow that to show up on there. Uh, strangely, Matt, like unlike most of the scripts there, you can't view that script. There is a synopsis. It is about Riri Williams. Uh, there's direct mention in the uh, synopsis to Iron Man. Um, it does not necessarily imply that he is a character in it. And again, that's a rewrite away from from happening. Um, and that's a very popular Marvel comic title now. So it's going to be interesting to see with this in existence. And again, just because it exists doesn't mean it's happening. But given that we have a bunch of dates and we don't have movies, the other one we're going to point to that um, Will had brought up was Black Widow. I happen to think, given that she was a spy, given that so much of her life was lived in the shadows, that they did as about as much for uh, Natasha Romanoff as they could in this film. And considering, too, you had to give Iron Man, you had to give Stark the big send off at the end of the film, couldn't overshadow that. And he's not getting another movie coming back, at least at this point. And she is. They are actually filming now um, in Britain the uh, the Black Widow film. They have begun production. Pete, what uh, if the frame device for the flashback of her previous missions is some of it? Uh, Pete, it's a two-scene cameo from some of the survivors sitting around at her memorial service. And, hey, did I ever tell you about the time... At Budapest and right. flashback could, Budapest. could very well be. There's all sorts of rumors flying around as to what that's going to be, whether that's going to hit the, uh, the, the slate for next year, when it might hit, etc. The Eternals casting news continues to come. Uh, the latest being that the actor who played Rob Stark on uh, Game of Thrones is being circled. Um, this after the director and uh, the other role had been cast. You have to forgive me without looking at the list right now. I don't have the name at the top of my head. But so these other movies are coming. We just don't know when exactly. Right now, you know, basking in the glow, the afterglow, if you will, of uh, Avengers Endgame. And then, you know, we already got our Spidey tickets the other day. <laughs> it's amazing to think, you know, we, we have tickets for July 2nd here as we're recording on May 8th. But then again, I remember we had, you know, Captain Marvel tickets in very early January for uh, for International Women's Day. But there's going to be a little bit of a pause in between. It's going to be till at least May uh, that we're going to get another movie. And uh, we may or may not get that Disney Plus Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the interim. Um, are you ready, Matt, for a little JT Atkins from Facebook? Oh, absolutely. All righty. So to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Dakey Atkins wrote in, now hashtag Avengers spoilers and high praise for hashtag Avengers hashtag Endgame. What an epic movie in every way. Tell a great story. Respect the 20 plus movie arc of the characters. Have real and genuine drama, complete with genuine sadness and meaningful sacrifices. No random cheap shots. Also, still have fun and don't tie up every loose end. 
reward Captain America? Can we start clamoring for a Cappy Peggy movie right now? Reference every other time travel movie, including Bill and Ted. Can we mention too? I'll, I'll just add this: that Hot Tub Time Machine got a shout out, and then since seeing the um, the the pitch video uh, you shared with me, Matt, the the one dude who does the the pitch meetings on YouTube, and that there are characters in the time travel movies that are referenced who are played by actors who are Avengers. Sebastian Stan is in Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, something I was unaware of. Uh, not having consumed the whole thing. You know what, Pete? Sometimes they cast actors in Hollywood who happen to also look like <laughs> the real-life superheroes that protect us in the Marvel Cinematic it's, Universe. It's it's true, all of it. Uh, take the time to tell the story with heart. Thank you, Team Marvel, for doing it right. Now, a footnote with a wink. They Wrath of Conned us. Have rumors that a dark-haired, big-brained, beloved character is going to die? Opened the movie with him dying. Spock simulator. Tony hypoxia. But he's not dead. Then, end movie with big-brained character wearing awkward glove and saving the day. (laughs) Because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Yeah, Wrath of Khan made me cry too and me too uh jt as a child and then we got out to the car and my mom had left the lights on and the car needed to jump and spock had just died and it was the worst day ever (laughs) um hmm did tony mind meld with friday on his way out hashtag the search for tony thoughtful communique there i i think that the massive payday that robert downey jr got on his way out i feel like that was the that was the determining factor in parting on amicable terms uh i suspect it was slightly different for chris evans and that he was very upfront in terms of saying i want to leave after this contract pete i went back and read this uh, it might have been one of the interviews he did recently with the hollywood reporter but him reflecting on his thoughts of getting the role. Apparently he was offered it like five times and he had all this trepidation in taking the role. So I buy it that he wanted his planned exit as well. But um, I feel like it'll be best earned to just not have them come back. But also I think there's a malleability that we're seeing with this movie and with the MCU, probably in part because they have asked us at the outset, hey, this is going to be, you know, right around the corner sci-fi with the Iron Man suit. We're also going to do movies that take place in the 1940s. We're also going to do space people in space. I think this is contrasted by the more rigid world building of the Star Wars universe of Game of Thrones, where in the last week for Game of Thrones, you know, a Starbucks cup has become a proxy for I don't like where the storyline is headed and it's fine if you don't like where the storyline is headed or the pace or this that the other but it's like that's become a thing and you know all the star wars debates ryan johnson last jedi solo etc but there's a flexibility with the mcu where i don't think anybody is up in arms that that they didn't explain the mjolnir timeline as perfectly as they could have it's because 
I think the MCU wears on its sleeve more just the general ridiculousness of its existence. And again, to what level are we going to unhealthily obsess about where this fictional hard to lift hammer that we've only ever seen three people be able to move like let, let's calm down. Let's also calm down on Star Wars. Let's equally calm down on Game of Thrones, because uh, if you're not enjoying it, then just go someplace else and not enjoy it. If you did not appreciate that third episode, the the long night and the, the intensity OK, of that thrill ride. And with these two episodes left, if if you're not there, I, I think you're missing out. I will just mention as a bridge between that and the MCU, I, I find myself wondering why is it that there's the public perception, and I agree with some and I disagree with some, why is there the public perception that Sopranos goofed the ending, Lost goofed the ending, Mad Men goofed the ending, uh, I'm missing another one from more recently, and then now the, the narrative is, uh, at least by some people, now we're watching Game of Thrones goof the ending, those are debates for some other separate podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No one is saying that Endgame goofed the ending. Are there discussions? Is there continuity? Is there, but wait, time travel. But it's kind of all, the debate is going on within the field of play of comic book movie and wacko universe rules as opposed to, you know, you gave me the, you gave me Don Draper making the best commercial ever, except you didn't show me him making it, but. Pete, I have good news. We have five bullets on our uh, on our Endgame theory cast uh, agenda. When we finish the first one, are you ready for <laughs> Are you ready for bullet number two? I think the the rest of these will go a tad faster. Are you ready for bullet number two of five? Let's talk Spider Man Far From Home. So, first of all, Pete, jokes aside of spoiler free, spoiler Pete, etc. I have never seen a trailer that starts out with a warning that maybe you shouldn't watch this trailer if it's not right for you. That Typically, other... Matt, you get your own spoiler warning and, oh, I'm going to see a trailer and you run away with your fingers in your ears is what I've witnessed. To have we, Tom Holland, uh, say, you know, you really want to make sure you've seen Endgame. Um, he may have also said, tut, tut, governor, or something like that in my <laughs> perfect English uh, impression here. But that was that was interesting. Uh, it confirmed definitively that it takes place post Endgame. So questions about that. Let's start out with this, Pete. It also says here on the heels of is there some weird time stuff in Endgame? Yes, but it's all one timeline and this and that the other. It says right out the gate that there there are alt alternate timelines going on, and I say no. And here's why. My theory is this, Pete. Mysterio is meant to be this guy who he's coming in with the fix. There's all these bad guys and he's here to save the day. Look at me, look at me. And I think the twist in Marvel fashion, uh, maybe they're also taking some clues from real life, I don't know. But in classic Marvel fa fashion, halfway through, wait, who's making these terrible things attacking London? It's Mysterio himself. He is the bad guy, aggrandizing himself, making the threat worse than it is in order to build himself up. I think, too, that that's where the alternate timeline um I think the alternate timeline theory presented so out front there by the trailer will get gobbled up by his bag of lies. And I can only conclude by saying, Pete, I tend to be 180 degrees wrong on these things. So what do you say? 
Well, remember who you're talking to, Matt. I will only tell you this. So the other point that's made by Nick Fury in the trailer is that the snap tore a hole in the fabric of space and time. Um, Did it? Hmm. Interesting. There's more to this, obviously, and that they are so brazenly putting this in a trailer. They could have advertised this film without doing that. Uh, indeed, the biggest you know, thing that the trailer hinges upon is the death of Iron Man. So many people have seen the mural, too, and they're like, multiple universes, mural. Uh, Miles Morales made that. And that may indeed be the case. Uh, he's not in the movie, though. And on the heels of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you know, animated uh, best picture and all that. But remember that Lord and Miller are now pursuing that. They're going to be making uh, TV shows with that. And they are not connected. Certainly they're not. Sony branching off that, you know, it's kind of Spider-Man goodness that it has. It's got Um, a spider stone. You know, they're creating their own spider line time thing pete let's dig a little bit deeper into far from home here what happened to all the classmates that peter parker has were they all equally dusted and equally brought back at the same time if only just for writing purposes i mean it might sound <laughs> ridiculous it's like as all ridiculous the OG avengers remaining you know so they could go back to Uh, particular places again it's what the story demands and who they keep around to be able to do that uh you know hawkeye not appearing in infinity war and then the story beginning with him and there had been discussion that that scene would be in infinity war and was actually moved and they're like all right we're going to put it at the beginning of the next picture um It's what the story calls for. I've seen some people speculate that, okay, when you turn to dust, everybody in your world turns to dust. But that's not the case because, you know, look at what Okoye, uh, you know, suffered. She didn't turn to dust, yet Black Panther and and Shuri had. So the, the logic is fuzzy at best until particularly spelled out. We'll see how much this movie is going to commit to it. They didn't age. Would they just go back to high school like five years later? Like nothing happened and so many kids. What about the kids who did not turn to dust? Did they not go to school for five years? They didn't age. Like well, it, it does that, beg description. If those, co- if you're going to say story conceit right up front, these core kids, which are, you know, a mixture of super old characters, you know, like, like Betty Brant and whatnot is, from the 1960s, even though she has less of a role in it now than she did in the comics, blah, blah, blah. If the conceit is you're going to bring that core high school bunch back together, I would say, Pete, before they got dusted, they were going along having their normal high school life. Then for them, they woke up and returned. Yeah, it is logical to say, hey, the incoming class is now going to be a mixture of the five years later sophomores that were, you know, five years younger, five years ago, and it's going to be the returning sophomore class with people like Peter Parker and Betty Brandt, et cetera. You know, life needs to continue for everybody. Um, and I'm okay with that too. Again, I think the MCU is at this such an interesting place where they can kind of just be upfront and say, yeah, we made a rule because we want it to, to, to be the way it is for story and people go with it. 
Let's see how they actually do it. What still needs to be addressed, Matt, somehow? How did this slip through if it was an error? Is the eight years later in Spider-Man Homecoming, the Battle of New York, eight years before the events of that film, which took place in 2017? I was so convinced that we were going to walk out of the theater going, see, now the eight years later, later makes sense. Pete, they were so brave to put that so far <laughs> in advance and to put it in, you know, quote unquote, a Sony movie, even though I think it's, to my mind, it is unclear at best the role Sony actually plays in those movies. I know Kevin Feige the role has made is comments. to get money, Matt, as I understand yeah. it. Their, their role is to cash checks and that, uh, Disney and Marvel do creative things and uh, Sony does accounting things. <laughs> but I was convinced it was going to be like, oh, now it all makes sense. But I'm still confused by that. So, hey, Pete, I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to do a third Endgame Theory cast. But if people have lengthy thoughts on that or short <laughs> thoughts on that, send it our way because questions still remain. There you go. Let's talk about the current TV impact and granted Matt the roster of uh, Marvel TV shows once at 11 uh, never never all at once I should say but there there have been 11 Marvel TV shows and we have dwindled uh, dramatically we're down to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We have currently Cloak and Dagger is airing. They've got four more episodes left in their second season. Runaways has received a season uh, three renewal. And we have one season of the last standing but pre-canceled uh, Marvel Netflix shows, Jessica Jones, which actually just put a teaser image out yesterday. Uh, some speculation we could see it. Uh, as early as next month, as early as June. What is the ramification for those? Uh, of course, Matt, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. jumping forward, apparently, not definitively, one year. They're going to address the snap and and at least the events of uh, Infinity War, Right. As we covered more in depth on our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, uh, Jeff Loeb and Jed Whedon talking to uh, esteemed members of the press and less esteemed members of the press. I kid, of course. Uh, but, but talking to the press last week saying, nope, we had no idea what was going to happen after, uh, after uh, Infinity War. So we hedged our bet. We jumped forward a year. And it looks like we guessed wrong. So it'll simultaneously taking place after the last, you know, after season five, uh, but also post-snap, even though the timelines don't work up. And I appreciate that they have just said, hey, we took a guess. We had no idea. We kind of guessed wrong. Enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I will enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't need it to line up perfectly. Um, the end. No impact because it wasn't factored in because they didn't have data. The end. I mean, listen, could it be retconned at some point? Uh, you know, are we going to get to the end of the season and then characters disappear? This is a show that has not only been renewed for the sixth season a year after 
the last episode has aired, but a seventh season that we speculate we could see as early as sometime in the fall of 2019. Who knows? I don't think it's that simple, and time is going to tell. With Runaways, Matt, that is a show that everything has occurred to this point before the snap and where they were leaving us off with a fairly big cliffhanger uh, would seem to continue to happen and, uh, you know, finish before the snap. They clearly have the time ability in terms of their like legit timeline, not without, you know, not, not even worrying about time travel. They have the ability to be so far before that, that they don't need to worry about it. And, do they maybe give a passing reference at some point? I mean, maybe, but I think that Runaways season three would still be existing before the snap, unless they do some sort of time jump on their own, that they can just ignore it. Because honestly, Pete, by the time Runaways season three comes out, you know, what, next year? It'll be so far from from Infinity War that at that point, who cares? And, you know, there's a finite amount of time. Is Runaways going to run 10 seasons, 90210 style? Probably not. So just let the show live out its remaining existence without worrying about that stuff. And then we talk about Cloak and Dagger, Matt, a a show with four more episodes at least this season and doesn't seem to be anywhere near the events of the snap and likely not to incorporate them. So that was easy. Marvel TV (laughs) kept out of the loop, uh, is continuing. But But wait, Matt, uh, Iron Fist disappeared, and then Luke Cage disappeared, and then Daredevil disappeared, and then the Punisher disappeared. So it it will not happen in Jessica Jones unless they really, really swerve left and decide, all right, we're going to decide that all of Marvel Netflix got snapped out. I don't feel so good, Hellcat, um, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to happen uh, it's not going to happen that way, but they do have an out. They got snapped out. They and do. But then, again, Matt, we could have the the arbitrary timeline to wait those characters' rights returning, and then they suddenly pop up on a Hulu or someplace else. What's the value added, though? Let's say that it comes in June. Let's say that it drops on a Friday in June. I'll pick the midpoint, Friday, June 14th. Let's imagine it drops. Start your engine. Start start your calendar, your clock for when those characters are suddenly available because it's two years to the day, right, Matt? Well, it it may be more or like you can't officially start development till the two-year period is up or whatever. But bottom line is this, Pete. Yes, we tend to binge the Netflix stuff. But let's just say for the sake of argument that you do an episode a day for, for a week and a half. So let's say that that puts you somewhere around June 24th. What's the value added on June 24th, 2019 to have a special sad Jessica Jones uh, episode 313 post-credit scene where you brought back all the actors and they all turned to dust this 13 or 14 months after you saw Infinity War? I feel like it's just best left alone and you're going to see more of the movie TV show integration on the Disney Plus shows, Marvel TV as its separate division just can't compete there. So as far as I'm concerned, just don't compete there. Yeah. 
and I think it's likely going to be that situation as opposed to some kind of uh, retcon of the snap. So we had them. They're gone. We move on. Speaking of moving on, Matt, uh, if only Disney would give us dates for when we could expect the next Marvel Studios films. Uh, It has. Now, none of these are dates with titles, but these are all dates that Disney has claimed. Now, can dates move around? Sure. We saw that with a whole bunch of things, including, you know, Avatar and the new Star Wars trilogy and the four Avatar movies coming out being alternating Christmases for seven years. As you said, Pete, bring it on. That sounds like a lot of fun. But let's I've seen one hot take today. Uh, There are three dates for Star Wars movies that nobody asked for. Um, I asked for them. Right. And I got them. Furthermore, just to stick on this tangent for a moment, I don't have a problem with the current Star Wars films. I didn't love Solo, but it was a perfectly fun yarn, you know, et cetera. Um, uh, It hasn't ruined my childhood because Rey is a powerful woman and that scares me because I don't know how to talk to them or things like that. It's made my childhood better. (laughs) <laughs> what it's done it's it has retroactively improved my childhood but i think that just from a business point of view whoa you know yellow flag what happened with solo was it too soon it might have been too soon okay we know people like star wars we know people movies like people like movies where there's a war in the stars <laughs> is there maybe a you know devil's advocate could there be too many star wars movies you know, is one per year maybe too much? Uh, maybe. How about this, Pete? Let's have Star Wars movies, and let's also have another series of movies that maybe Disney has access to, where people in the stars have a war. Wait a minute, that's Avatar. So, you, in my mind, you kind of get Avatar, to have your Avatar Star. Yeah. <sighs> and I know there's a lot of people who don't love the first avatar movie and i will grant you as somebody who i meant it before genuinely i genuinely believe the titanic is the greatest color movie ever made that said avatar the story is largely color by numbers where he wrote a script about native americans and cowboys and then did find and replace and changed cowboys (laughs) to the company people and changed indians to navi and was like, I don't know, Peter Jackson, now go, you know, use your guys to make You mean plants. he turned the natives into Navi? It, it's a clunky story. <laughs> Is it one worth remembering as we continue to damage our world more and more and its environmental message, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. But it, it lacks the nuance of, say, you know, a Titanic or something like that, I would so argue. But Pete, you want to talk about Marvel movies? You want to do, you want, you want to talk about the, the, the James Cameron uh, resume? We'll do James Cameron another time. So beginning in May of 2020, Matt, we have Marvel Movie 1. And by the way, this numbering scheme we are going with, it's a little bit different than the one Box Office Mojo has, which I assume is the official way. But basically, there's eight movies in the next three years. So 2020, May and November, that's what we're calling Marvel 1 and Marvel 2. Then in 2021, February, May, November, that's what we're calling Marvel 345. And then in 2022, February, May, and late July. 
So any thoughts there, Pete, what they could be? A couple things jump out at me. We had Black Panther be successful in February. We've had Spider-Man movies in July. You know, does that mean thus it is written, thus it shall be? I don't know. I think the smart money at this point says that Marvel won in May 2020, given that they are now filming, is Black Widow. Um, and given the uptick in casting, I mean, they had already cast, uh, Angelina Jolie alongside Kumail Nanjani, uh, for Eternals. And now they're circling, uh, Richard Madden tells me, uh, that Eternals is going to be in November of 2020. And again, this is unofficial. Could those flip flop? I don't know how you're finishing Eternals casting not done to this point and and getting it out in a year but stranger things have happened i think too i will have my expectations met if black widow is trying to be more akin to a mission impossible james bond less of the james bond jokey stuff but if you give me the hardest hittenest you know kind of realistic action movie in black widow I think that's what that world is. If it's Black Widow, you know, scaling the Burj Khalifa with a magnetic glass glove or whatever, you know, or things of that ilk, of course. That's what I expect out of that movie, which is a lot different than something in Wakanda, something in space, something in the world of the Eternals, etc. But that also means it's cheaper because you don't need to do 87 people in motion capture suits. You just go... Scarlett Johansson for the close-ups, really great stunt lady for the jumping across the bridge on a wire, and and scene. Edit it together, put some movie there. It's going to be really, really great. How does the February date, it, assuming one of these others couldn't be, but they're, they're not filming it yet, not become the Black Panther 2 date for February of 2021? I think that if they get a move on pretty soon, that's doable. Um, let's not forget the original Black Panther had a you know had its fantastic CG guy versus CG guy at the end, and those things do take a little time. So, I think that February made so much sense. Um, Black History Month. It's it's something that makes financial sense. It makes just precedence, you know, because that's when the first one came out. That kind of thing. Um, I feel like it's got to be February 21 or February 22. One of those has to be Black Panther. Unless, Pete, I guess here's the flip side argument. It's one of the biggest movies ever. Do you move it into That's a, a May slot? Very well a possibility. I think uh, Doctor Strange will be one of those other ones in 2021. You could swap them out. Um, maybe that's even the November 2021 uh, film Matt and you know let's remember there's probably a Guardians uh, in there they've said now they're going to film in, in 2020 so maybe they keep Guardians for the summer given you know those have been two summer releases maybe they say oh that's that's going to rule uh, Thanksgiving that year who knows maybe they throw a wrinkle and given that we got a Spidey movie two years ago and now we're getting another one. They say, uh-uh, uh, one of those 2021 dates will be uh, Spider-Man something with home. <laughs> I'll throw out a theory for Phone me. home. <laughs> Maybe one of those 2022 dates is a 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Captain America thing, you know, like let the series do the journey to become Captain America that then leads directly into whatever you're going to title it, Captain America four with now, uh, with now Sam Wilson as Captain America. I feel like that that's a logical lead in point. If the desire is to do another Captain America movie, uh, with Sam Wilson, which I feel like, how could you not? The audience is ready for it. There's not, I think it's smart to explore it as a series and it'll be another thing that will apply that value to uh, Disney Plus, but then to be further expanded upon, let him be Cap, let him do his thing, let him go on his own adventures, don't have to predicate it. Not to say that uh, Sebastian Stan's uh, Bucky can't appear in the film, but to tether them so hard together. I mean, Matt, there was that nasty iTunes review Somebody had given us that, uh, you know, pointed out that uh, you guys said that Sam Wilson got the shield because he's black and he actually got it because he's um, Cap's friend. Uh, Nobody said he got it because he was black. Does it help the idea of diversity? Absolutely. Again, to represent the real world. And let's remember, too, the Russos have actually ruled on this, that Sam got it because he's, uh, you know, got this cap like image in the films. Bucky is a damaged person. Also, I think in the mix, Pete, is an Ant-Man and the Wasp sequel somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. Um now you have, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Grown-Up Baby Makes Three. So, <laughs> you know, do you start to explore some of those storylines? I mean, I feel like it's teed up to do just that. I will say, Pete, uh, I guess at least in a cinematic sense, R.I.P. original Cassie actress, uh, we barely knew ye. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. But I, I do think, and I've seen other people say it as well, that, you know, they they cast the actress thinking forward. Uh, It's interesting too, Matt, that so 2023 is the five years later to when we go. And what have they done? They've announced all these dates through July of 2022. So we know that Spider-Man is going to be set in 2023. Where will these other stories occur? Um, Marvel has yet to put out a definitive timeline and they've actually dragged their feet on this. And it's understandable now with the events of Endgame, but it's it's certainly fascinating to think about where these might take place on a timeline, multiple timelines, dimensions, et cetera, et cetera. Worth pointing out, by the way, Pete, that we're recording this in May. In two months time, Tom Holland will have been in more movies as Spider-Man than Daniel Craig has been in James Bond movies. That is pretty interesting to think about. <laughs> so, I mean, j- just the thought being, it doesn't quite feel like that. And have some been, he's in 25 minutes of a movie or he's in charitably 20 minutes of this movie. You know, it's not, it, it might be apples and oranges to a certain degree, but yes, we have a Spider-Man movie coming out this year, 2019. I don't know that we need to wait till 2023. It could be 
boom, quick, turn this bad boy around. And that could be your November 2021 or your February 2022. Like it could be sooner than you think in terms of, hey, this another one's a hit. Awesome. We have a script and we start filming in eight months. Notice too, Matt, we've not discussed the only character who is going to, in his current incarnation, directly port over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Who's that? That, of course, being Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. I would bet that these Marvel dates Disney has scooped up, I would bet that they are not, none of them are Deadpool slots. Um, although that's, it, it's a really interesting, it's an interesting storyline in just in terms of kind of the corporate stuff or the official picking up of dates. Could they well say, surprise, Marvel 5, November 2021 is Deadpool 3? Absolutely. I mean, it's their dates. This is not an official thing. Disney and other movie studios don't go to the calendar man and say, can we have this date? You know, it's kind of like the studios stake out spots and then other studios either say, I will go head to head with Marvel 4, May 2021. Or they say, I have a small intimate movie about a deaf flower shop owner. Time to get out and move that movie out of May 2021 because people aren't going to go see that. They're going to go see Doctor Strange 2, Guardians 3, Black Panther 2, Spider-Man 4, whatever. Um, I can't but wait it could to be. see New Mutants this year, right, Matt? Oh, Pete, bad news. New what? Mutants. New Mutants, a movie. I'm going to look it up right now. New Mutants, a movie that was shot in a year I'm going to tell you in a moment. Um, is not coming out August of this year. It's now been pushed to April 3rd, 2020. Pete, this was a movie that started principal photography July 10th, 2017, and now will not be, uh, finished filming that September and now won't be out, uh, as stated, until April 3rd, 2020. It feels like it's damaged goods. Yeah, the the now 22-year-old Maisie Williams is going to be a child again on screen, and it won't be a Game of Thrones rerun. It's... Pete, I tend not to like scary movies, and I know that this is X-Men, but then also horror and whatnot. Scary X-Men. Scary X-Men. It's X-Men after dark. I, I don't know. This This might be one to not miss just for its badness i don't know i don't know i I smell a a patreon bonus matt (laughs) so okay so we've covered ant-man black panther doctor strange eternals black widow guardians are any of these dates marvels one through eight going through late july 2022 pete are any of these x-men or fantastic four in your mind But wait, Matt, X-Men Dark Phoenix comes out in June of 2019. I'm so excited to hear that they reshot the ending and changed the setting from space, where I've never been, but it looks exciting, to a train. I've been on one of those. No, just a normal train. It's not in a space train? I think it's just a normal like choo-choo train. But Pete, so do we see an X-Men or Fantastic Four movie covered by Marvels 1 through 8? They would be best served by waiting as long as they can to distance themselves from the rapidly flying apart at the seams X-Men that we still have. This one with Jennifer Lawrence with drawn on 
um, mystique makeup as opposed to the the wonderful prosthetics they started with in the earlier part of this decade. Um, there continue to be tremendous rumblings that Marvel and John Krasinski are working towards a fantastic for arrangement. Really, really hope that comes to pass. And uh, let's make one of those maybe in like the 2021, 2022 timeframe, the first foray of uh, the Marvel Studios Fantastic Four. It is amazing to think that when Jennifer Lawrence was making X-Men First Class, it was before uh, the renowned for the film Winter's Bone, which was her first kind of, I don't, you know, she didn't win an Oscar for it, but it was her first like, whoa, this young lady can really act and she's amazing. Uh, so she's making first class before she kind of had a name as a serious actress. Then Hunger Games have had their moment. Then Silver Linings Playbook, in which she's amazing. And she's kind of like not a box office draw anymore at the old age of 28. And these movies are kind of, don't get me wrong, I'm sure she's getting very very well paid for X-Men. But it's kind of like, it's like wither thee, uh, Jennifer Lawrence? I don't know, but... I would disagree slightly. I think she remains a draw. She continues to be one of the top, if not the top. And, and she's, um, really advocated for, uh, others and herself, uh, to be amongst the, the top paid. Um, it's unfortunate the way that these films, these X-Men first class have been mismanaged. Um, they get just, completely more outlandish the the development problems with this one could fill a book we would all hope that they could finally get the phoenix saga correct instead it's this rushed and now delayed thing that is going to be a mess that there were discussions of do we burn it off in another spot how this remains a summer movie post avengers endgame is baffling but it is the second to last Fox uh, Marvel property we're ever going to see. So, you know, they got to get theirs. Pete, let's pivot to our final bullet here. The impact of Endgame on the upcoming Marvel Studios Disney Plus shows. Uh, Pete, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is coming out 2019 to 2020, somewhere in there, almost certainly in the calendar year of 2020. Um, a little more important to the overall MCU narrative than it was a month ago. Pretty important. And I was surprised that they announced this ahead of the film and didn't wait for something after, but that's just the way that these shareholders things happen to work. Um, and they're trying to lock everybody down and, and get going on that. But yeah, it's really, really important. It's going to be their first uh, show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's so tethered to the films. Yeah, we get rid of Iron Man, but the transition of Captain America from one character to another is really important. Something you would almost have assumed would take place solely in films. But it's amazing. Disney has this new thing that they want you to to buy and another reason to bring in. I would say, too, it is Disney that is dating it 
2019 to 2020 and it's me saying if you're uh, dropping some <laughs> if you yeah if you're dropping some certain you know like if you're dropping all your launch day stuff including Mandalorian and uh Lady and the Tramp and hey have you seen the Kurt Russell movie from 1978 that is not well regarded but you can now see uh things of that sort I feel like this those first 6 weeks will be run It'll have its own momentum of it being new, it being a ton of back catalog stuff that you haven't seen in forever or you haven't seen in HD, 4K, etc., uh, Mandalorian, you know, and so forth. It'll be 2020 when Falcon the Winter Soldier comes, but they're calling it 1919, 2019 to 2020. Does that suggest some sort of TV season cycle? Because WandaVision, that we're about to talk about next, has been dated 2020 to 21. So are we within a year... Or maybe a little bit more. Are we within a year or less of this show coming out? I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah, and I think the dates again have to be taken with a grain of salt. Are they referring internally to when it will film and then it will actually air uh, over those two years? Who knows? We're going to get them. They're coming. Um, the, the traditional TV cycle is. Uh, meaning less and less and less, Matt, when you consider that one of the most talked about things that will show up streaming cable, uh, traditional broadcast will happen on Netflix in July this year. That of course being stranger things three. Well, and you, you mentioned, uh, Netflix. I'll just point out that when we do watch Jessica Jones, uh, episode 301, presumably in the month of June, that episode will have been shot one year earlier. So you're very right to point out, as with all TV shows, maybe not all of them, but as with many TV shows, there certainly is a ton of lead in time there. Uh, Pete, WandaVision has been dated, as I said, for the 2020 to 2021 TV, uh, TV season. Gotta be a flashback, right? And maybe, again, a frame device of, I do remember, oh wait, does she have an accent? Pete, sometimes she has an accent. So I'll give a little accent because the accent disappears as the movies go on. Do oh, oh, I remember those good days in Scotland with Vision. Flashback to the good old times of them having crazy kid adventures. Well, so many people have pointed to the artwork used to tease that, the kind of leave it to beaver thing and said that it's going to occur in the 1950s. Um, maybe? <laughs> Pete, I always take artwork shown for a dog and pony show made entirely for big time investment firms that literally had desks built in a the Disney Burbank Studios. They took a sound stage and they built this whatever this 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 pantheon to Disney Plus is good. Invest now. It's so far out. Can you take titles from it? Sure. Can you take dates from it? Probably. Artwork, in my mind, it could be artwork straight from the development of the show, or it could be artwork that was like, hey, boy, go get a copy from Marvel to put in this slideshow and come back here in 20 minutes with a croissant for me, something like that. Right. It, it remains to be seen. Uh, so we don't know uh, a, a, a plot, not a plot hole, a, a a loose end, uh, like JT Atkins had pointed out, you know, uh, the discussion with Wanda about vision, perhaps some way to go back, find a stone, be able to, uh, you know, reincorporate him, whatever's going to happen. 
we're getting it. That's the great thing to look forward to. The same way we are with more Loki, something we weren't sure about other than the flashback stuff that we knew we were going to get in Endgame to the Battle of New York. It does certainly seem, and I know we talked about this on the previous Endgame podcast, but it seems most likely that we will get a living Loki in the present-ish day, um, either present-ish 2012 when he's just escaped with the with the, uh, the the Tesseract or present to now or something as opposed to, I don't know, something more, more with that fixed death there. But who knows? I feel like this is the show that could be the most delightful because it could be kind of naughty, silly fun and, I don't know, just be a really, really wonderful time in front of the old TV. It could. I do want to temper expectations, though Tom Hiddleston is going to participate. There's been discussion that we might get a, you know, young Indiana Jones vibe and they frame it with him and they flash back to him at different ages with different actors. So we'll have to see. But again, you're getting more Loki that in and of itself worth the six ninety nine a month which by 2021, it'll be up to $13 to compete with Netflix because they'll have almost overtaken it, right, Matt? I think, I don't know. I think Netflix has a lot to worry about, particularly as, you know, there might be the feeling of all of these streamers aren't going to exist for for ad infinitum. But we'll leave that for the uh, Fantastic Geek uh, Investor Forum that is also going to be hosted (laughs) at a Burbank Studios uh, soundstage. Um, the Hawkeye series, it is undated. It is still in development. It seems that it's going to be a likely product, but it's not as greenlit as the other three shows, which are, you know, if Loki gets pushed to December 2021, nobody's going to complain. But Hawkeye, not officially a show happening right now, but they're working towards it, of course. Yes, and they want to pursue that with the Kate Bishop character, very popular Um, so again, as we're developing future stars of the MCU could be something going forward with serious, serious importance. And then Matt, we talked X-Men, we talked Fantastic Four. Could we get a show about what happened to the space train? I wonder particularly as here we are, will Endgame become the most biggest box office movie of all time without the virtue of you need to see it in 3D, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a financial argument that the best place for X-Men and Fantastic Four is if you can reach a point where Fantastic Four, the third, fourth, you know, the third part, that it it becomes a $2 billion behemoth, $1.5 billion, yeah, but at the core, there's there's these characters that could could they be a really compelling Disney Plus product where you get you get stuff that's more at the X Men Mansion and more kind of that character angst stuff. I don't know. I think I think too, just as we are kind of pouring our hopes and dreams into Disney Plus, so is Disney. Let's not forget that. I think they foresee. Yeah, you have these years where you have billion dollar hits. You have other years where you know. Dumbo barely scrapes out a a profit. Happens to be nice when it's a year where they're, you know, bringing home wheelbarrowfuls of money for uh, for Avengers. But 
they see their future, I think, as Disney Plus. So are they willing to put one of these into a Disney Plus forum, start it there, then you graduate to the movie or or whatever it is? I don't know. But I, I think it's worth watching. I think the only thing that uh, allowed uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix to go into a theater and not to be something now that, you know, the brand has reverted back to Marvel and Disney was the stink of it. Do we want to put that on our streamer? Would would interested people check it out? Yes. Would it at the same time be, well, you can only see it there. I don't want to pay for the service just to see that. I think too, and Pete, I know you're more of a uh, Cloverfield guy than I am. The great, sizzle that netflix got for surprise the next cloverfield movie we bought from paramount and it premieres right now on netflix that what was that two super bowls ago yeah it was after Um, it was after was it a very good movie pete it was an okay movie and i was super excited to get it and to get it that night and they connect some of the other stuff but it's also like the tag connection not the you know, intimately tied narrative like we have with the Marvel movies. In fact, the um, the Overlord movie that uh, Bad Robot put out in the last uh, eight, nine months that had uh, Ian DeCasticker from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in it, there was speculation that that was a Cloverfield movie. Cloverfield, Overfield, uh, Cloverlord, there you <laughs> go. Uh, but it's not. So, um, you know, it's it's when they want to connect it, if they want to connect it, et cetera, et cetera. That film was produced under a completely different banner, and then they turned it into a Cloverfield movie. I think, too, why did Paramount not release that $40 million movie into theaters, but instead sell it to Netflix for like $50 million? Because they thought they couldn't make their money back. They thought they couldn't make that $10 million profit out there in the in the uh the marketplace and netflix kind of has this independent other option as you say pete does disney want to dirty their brand by following a similar path if indeed dark phoenix is a stinker well no because they want to give the impression that it's all the wonderful movies that you love from your childhood and your parents childhood and your child's childhood and your new childhood uh, and also great new things. And there's also some stinkers from along the way, like the live action stuff from the 60s and 70s. But that that's like a fun bonus. You don't need, you know, you're not there for that. You're there for, you know, Cinderella and you're there for Captain Marvel and you're there for Avengers and whatnot. But does the brand improve to have Dark Phoenix there? No, you don't want to give that impression. And can Dark Phoenix, does Dark Phoenix have a shot at making its money back in the, worldwide marketplace i don't have the budget in front of me i guess i could get it pretty quickly but i think the hope is yes it can because comic book movie with a marvel label in 2019 i mean listen there are marketable actors and actresses in that film it's going to make money is it going to be critically and commercially successful well unless we're hearing a lot of lies matt i'm thinking probably not uh, again, space train, who cares? Just make a good movie. 
uh, and by all accounts, it is not. I, I hope to be surprised uh, what was the last X-Men movie I saw in theaters. Oh, yeah. None of them ever. Wow, really? I have never seen an X-Men movie in a theater. I saw the, the very first one on uh, DVD. You know, great for what it was. Uh, the second one I caught later on, and I know the conversation we've had before. You know, it's it's one that at one point laid a claim to the greatest comic book movie of all time. Uh, the third one I caught again on uh, home video, and all these other ones. You know, I I like the X Men from the comics. I'm looking forward to Marvel Studios getting their hands on them, doing their own. How they're going to approach Wolverine. Uh, God, please incorporate this Deadpool and get that all together and, and get Deadpool with their Wolverine and then somehow find a way to get Hugh Jackman involved. If just for a scene, time travel, multiple dimensions, whatever you're going to do, uh, get it right and do it. But I think it's going to be a while. I want my Fantastic Four first and I want it with Krasinski and Emily Blunt and two other actors I don't know and a Dr. Doom. And I, I want it to be done pitch perfect. Unlike the very, very flawed, uh, 2015 and the campy, if not, you know, somehow enjoyable ones from the, uh, the late aughts. Well, Pete, not perfect though. Imminently enjoyable certainly is Avengers Endgame, And, uh, like I said, I don't know, that we have plans to return to an Endgame podcast in the future, but certainly as analysis of the movie continues, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. Pete, maybe in an alternate timeline, we've already done a third Endgame podcast. I Are don't know. Are you saying this is the end game? This might be the end of Endgame, and all of this discussion, uh, this this lengthy discussion this evening, has been helped and brought to you by. The people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Pete, we may, between our two endgame podcasts, we may be close to three hours. Uh, that's pretty darn fitting and uh, certainly done with the wind of our patrons at our backs. Yes, while we're launching new podcasts left and right, Matt, and all of that made possible by the people to contribute to Patreon. Everybody who contributes, beginning at a dollar, I could see in the door, gets access to all sorts of exclusive content. And again, there might be more. You could find out about other podcasts on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. So worth checking out. As we talk MCU, as we talk Star Wars and Mandalorian, as we get ready at another point to discuss an even third area that we might be venturing into, um... One, I guess, Pete, will offer this little thing, tangentially connected to the Distinguished Competition. Um, how can people be in touch with you to talk about all this geeky goodness? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,443 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word. Like it today. 
Well, Pete, it really has been wonderful to talk about all these endgame theory implications to the entire MCU and to the core characters, etc., etc., but it's definitely time to say adios, which I will to all our listeners, adios listeners, and give you, Pete, the final word. See you soon. Thank you.